Welcome to 321 iRelaunch. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, the industry leader in career reentry resources. In each episode of 321 iRelaunch, we'll be speaking with guest experts in the career reentry space to help make your transition back to work smooth and successful. Hi everyone, our guest today is Mindy Diamond, President and CEO of Diamond Consultants. Mindy describes her company's origin as the third child that she nurtured and developed from a pad, pen, and phone working on the bedroom floor in her home. We're talking to Mindy about how she went from a five-year career break as a stay-at-home mother to founding one of the leading consulting and recruiting firms for financial advisors in the country. Hi, Mindy. Thanks for being with us today. I'm thrilled to be here, so thank you for asking me. Yes, well, we're thrilled to have you. Um, So why don't we start out talking about uh, your career beginnings, because you actually started out as an accountant, right? I'm very interested in how you went from being an accountant to how you got into recruiting. Yeah, so anyone who knows me would tell you that I was never meant to be an accountant. I hated it from the second I started. I started out big eight public accounting, hated it, and then figured I can't ditch it completely, so I'm gonna try private accounting, and went to work for Lever Brothers and hated that more. And then I was working in New York, and I had just gotten married, and we were living in New Jersey. And I said, you know what? If I've gotta um, work at a career I hate, I may as well hate it at least closer to home. (laughs) So I went to a search firm, an executive search firm, to a headhunter who specialized in accounting in New Jersey to help me to find a New Jersey-based job. And the woman who interviewed me, who I thought was old at the time, in hindsight, (laughs) she was probably my age now, 54, um, but she said to me, oh, honey, you shouldn't be an accountant. You should be a recruiter. Come work for us. So at the end of the day, um, she told me that she would offer me some paltry sum of money as a draw, not even a salary. I dismissed it because I was making pretty good money as an accountant. But Mm -hmm. I went home and told my then husband, who we had just gotten married, um, that I had been offered this job. And he said, oh, my God, you have to take it. You have to try it. You hate being an accountant. And the worst that happens, you can always go back to accounting. And so after a lot of arm twisting, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, oh, my God, how can I do that? I did it. And from the first phone call I make, from the second I started in that career, I just knew it where it was where I was meant to be and what I was meant to do. It was the greatest gift of my life. And so whenever I'm mad at my husband, he always reminds me that he's the reason I got here. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> That's terrific. So um, bring us uh, along on your career path and tell us what then led to your career break? How long did you work as a recruiter uh, before you took your career break? Yeah, so I worked for about seven years um, at a firm called Accountants on Call, Accountants Executive Search, and I had done very, very well. I was their top recruiter for probably six of the seven years I was there. I became national director of training um, and loved every second of it. And in 1991, I had my first son, Lewis, and I wanted to work part-time. And they said, you really can't. 
and which to this day I think was the dumbest thing they've ever said, <laughs> but they said no. And I tried being all things, meaning working full time and being good mom, and that just didn't work for me. So I wound up giving it up. And I didn't work mm-hmm. for five years and loved being a staying-at-home mom with a jamboree and driving to nursery school. And I exercised every day and made a lot of wonderful friends. And it was great for four of the five years. Mm-hmm. By the fifth year, I just felt like I was ready to blow my brains out. <laughs> and I had had enough of lunching with the ladies and all of it and volunteering. And I was ready to do something. But I was filled with an enormous amount of fear because I'd been out of the workforce for five years. Um, In that period of time, technology had changed. I had worked with a pad, a pen, and a phone, not a computer. And I knew that the world had changed. And I felt like a dinosaur. And I had lack of confidence. And so I just had no idea what I was going to do. Wow. So what happened? Like, what was the first step? and, And like, what started it all? So my husband, I think there's a theme here. He's been my greatest supporter and cheerleader my whole life. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were out for dinner with dear friends of ours. And our friend Ed was a manager for Morgan Stanley at the time in their flagship office in New York. And over dinner, Ed mentioned that there's a shortage of good recruiters for financial advisors. And Howard said, oh, you know, Mindy was a great recruiter placing accountants. You should talk to her about it. And I said, no, no, there's no way. I don't know anything about financial services. I barely know a stock from a bond. No way, no how. Mm-hmm. After, again, more arm twisting by first my husband and then Ed, um, I said, what the heck? My youngest son, Jason, was born in 93. Mm-hmm. And he was, so this was probably in, I don't know, 97 or 98, 99. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to kindergarten. It was part-time kindergarten. And I wanted, so I was bored. I just wanted mm-hmm. something to do for a couple of hours a day. I had to be home to get him off the bus at noon anyway. So I said, what the heck? So I started an hour a day just making some phone calls literally on my bedroom floor. I would keep a pad that I called my Ed pad next to me because I didn't know a stock from a bond and I'm not I'm barely exaggerating. <laughs> and I would call Ed at the end of every day um, and I was learning to email so or email him and say, you know, what's a structured product or what's a derivative? But somebody would use a word I didn't know. And that's how I sort of built my repertoire. And I didn't even have a name of the firm. And the first time Ed was going to go to a national um, Morgan Stanley Managers Conference, he said, you know, there are other managers that are going to want to talk to you. You should give me business cards. I said, business cards? I don't even have the name of my firm. So I ran to Staples. In three seconds or less, I called my trusty husband and said, what should we name the business? And he said, House Diamond Consultants. I said, sounds good to me. And there she was. Wow. That is great. So you went to Staples, you made up the name in three minutes, you made the business cards, and you were suddenly in business. Yeah, except that I didn't think about it that way. So Diamond Consultants may have had a name. My husband was an attorney at the time, so he created a legal entity, an LLC. He was desperate to build me an office in the basement and a desk, buy me a desk. And I said, no way. Now, you may ask, why no way? Because... 
I felt that having building an office and even making those business cards or putting a name on it or having a desk legitimized it. It meant mm. that there would be expectations. And I was still really tentative and really scared. And I didn't want it. I didn't want anyone else to know I was in business. If I failed, I wanted to fail privately. And if I succeeded, it would just be my own personal little thing. And my goal was all I wanted was to make enough money to send my kids to sleepaway camp. Mm. Um, and so for the first year and a half, uh, it was me on my bedroom floor. Probably after about a year, it was me on my a year. It was me on my bedroom floor. Year and a half, we built an office in the basement with like some knock together cheapy desk from Staples that I let my husband buy for me, because I just wasn't ready to admit that I was in business. And I was already mm -hmm. doing well by then. I was mm -hmm. already starting to make some deals, enjoying it, working more than a couple of hours a week, but definitely not ready to call it a business. Mm-hmm. Uh Wow. Okay. So um, it's so interesting because I feel like that that fear and that lack of confidence was fueling um, some of this, you know, denial that you were at, you're actually um, in business. And I totally understand that, you know, how you would feel like if this is a failure, it's going to be a private failure. So th that was kind of keeping you in that mindset. So at some point, did it shift? And how long did that take? So... I think that it was a, gra yes, it shifted, thank goodness, but it was a gradual shift. Like, I wish I could tell you that there was some aha moment where one day I felt I wasn't in business and the next day I thought I was. Mm -hmm. But if you really, if I really thought about it, I think that um, when I hired Shelly, who is out today as I tape this, but has been the greatest game changer for me. So probably about two or three years in, uh, well, I was working down in the basement part-time, but I began to realize that I was keeping all my records on like scraps of paper. I, I knew where everything was. I was doing well, but it was very disorganized. We were certainly, I wasn't technologically savvy even a little. So I put an ad in the local paper, a teeny little tiny three-line ad that said mm -hmm. I needed help. I barely knew what I was looking for, but I think I called it an assistant. And Shelly, who wound up being an incredibly smart and capable return to worker herself, ah. who had worked in research at Princeton University and had given up working for a period of time to stay at home with her kids, saw the ad, it was local, and she responded. When Shelly joined me, that was probably the shift, because mm -hmm. Shelly took what was a hobby for me and made it a business, really systematized us, created systems, began to create a public driver, an intranet. We began to hire some other recruiters. So that was probably the shift. Mm. But even wow. then, even then, I really still wasn't, I was still in my house. Mm -hmm. What shifted it was that, um, I realized that I was beginning to get more business than I can keep up with. And it was a choice at that point of either turning the business away and just being okay, being me and doing what I could and keeping it a hobby, or did I want to do something more? So I put two more ads in the local paper and hired two more recruiters, Debbie and Barbara, who are still here. I'm sorry, Kathy, then Debbie, then Barbara, who are all still here with me today. Mm. And that was 14 years ago. Wow. And um, they joined me but realized we couldn't work in my basement so we wound up my husband again he's my superhero found me an office which was above a pizza place in 
Chester, New Jersey, five minutes from our house. Mm. And in Heights, it was kind of a gross office, but it was an office. And then it came time to putting a sign outside. And I said, no way. I didn't want (laughs) anyone to know that I was in business. Again, (laughs) private failure, right? Mm -hmm. Private either way. But we had to put up a sign. And that was the shift. That was Mm. it. That like three days after the sign went up, my husband was biking and an acquaintance friend said, ran into my husband and said, I didn't know Mindy was in business. I guess he had ridden by the sign. And my husband came home and he was excited to tell me that. I thought I was going to throw up. The <laughs> thought of the world knowing I was in business was terrifying. Right. Um, but I think that was the shift. That was the shift of beginning to think about it, not just as a hobby, but a real enterprise. That was beginning to make real money and mm-hmm. not only supporting me and us, but other people. Ten years ago, my husband gave up a thriving law practice and joined us as our COO. So, no, we're real business. We're real business. Wow. That is a great, great story. It's so interesting, the symbolism, you, you know, the symbolism of having business cards, the symbolism of having the sign and the, uh, the official office and how that contributed to uh, how you viewed yourself and your business and how legitimate it was and real. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so what happened on the personal side when you were growing this business and hiring more people and working hard were like were you able to did you have some flexibility and were you able to sort of manage things on the personal side the way you envisioned it might be or did it was it different than you thought it might be yeah i think i had no real expectation i mean first of all by the time i went back to work my kids were you know adolescence and certainly it was a time of big you know the the tennis courts the tutoring the orthodontist appointment the thousand other things that you do when your kids are young and my one thing was there wasn't a chance that I wasn't going to be around for any of it. So I made sure that I was either home, I came home to be home for every tennis match and baseball game and soccer tournament. And my husband was wonderful about, you know, he would, he would take on what he could, but I just wanted to be able to be there to support them in whatever it was, whatever show, you know, sports, sports game, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did it. And, you know, the truth is my job is pretty portable and tech. Technology really enabled it to be even more portable. So I'd be lying if I said I wasn't standing on the baseball field with the phone in my hand and furiously taking notes, talking to an advisor. But I still do that. It worked. It worked. I don't feel like I missed a beat. I don't feel like I missed anything. I think my kids had wound up with great respect for a working mom who built something from nothing. And I'm hoping you're going to ask me about my children because my older son now works for us, joined a year ago. And to me, If you ask me, we're a real business. We've done great things. We're the leading search firm in the space. We have an impeccable reputation. I love what I do, and I feel proud of everyone who works for me and with me, and it's been a great thing. But the thing I am most proud of is having built a business that now has a legacy I'm going to pass on to my son. And he's loving it. He's thriving. And so, um, yeah, it's been quite a ride. So that kid that I would sit on, the one of my two kids that I would sit on the baseball field watching now works for me. Or with me, wow. I should say. That is terrific. Um, can you just give us just very briefly a um, summary of 
what your business is and maybe just explain a little bit about what's unique um, about recruiting financial advisors and specializing in that area. Sure. So first of all, I feel like excited because it's like you just asked me a question about one of my children. Remember, it's my, my business is my third child. Yeah. So just like when somebody asks a mom to talk about their kid who wouldn't want to do that, right? right. So I'm happy to share with you. So um, we are an executive search and consulting firm placing financial advisors, moving financial advisors either from if they're at Merrill Lynch or UBS or Morgan Stanley or Wells Fargo and looking to go to another traditional wirehouse or major brokerage firm. Or in today's landscape, a lot of financial advisors choose to separate from employee land and go some version of independent to become entrepreneurs themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we play in both worlds. We do a lot of M&A work, mergers and acquisitions position work within the independent financial advisor space. And so probably that's 50% of our business. And the other 50% is helping financial advisors to determine first where they want to work, how they want to work, and then helping them to get there. And that process you went through where you didn't know a stock from a bond, as you were saying, and you would write down words that people would say and then ask Ed or other people later, like, when did you finally feel like you had your arms around the, the, the finance industry in terms of the lingo and, you know, the products and, and how a lot of it worked? Yeah. So first of all, that's a great question because I sit here now almost 20 years later in a place that I feel is top of my field and it's still a learning experience. Every day I'm learning less about the lingo and more about just the financial services industry is anything but static. It's probably the thing I love most about my job because no two days are ever the same and I'm always learning. But number one, I was an enormous reader. I was a student of the industry, so I made sure to read anything and everything I could that could educate me and help me to understand it. I'm a very good listener and a very good synthesizer of information. So as soon as I heard something, I owned it. I would take it. If I didn't know if I didn't know a word, a term, an idea, I would look it up. And so I never didn't know it again. Um, so I guess the main thing is is I faked it till I made it. You know, mm -hmm. you know that term, fake it till you make mm -hmm. it, or act as if. That's exactly what I did. I'm pretty sure if you talk to the financial advisors I talked to in my early days, they would never have known I didn't know what I was talking about. Now, mind you, that's not to say I misled somebody mm -hmm. into giving them bad advice. Right. It just means what I realize is I didn't need to know what a derivative was in order to counsel an advisor who happened to sell derivatives. Right. That's really the bottom line. I don't need to, to understand the mechanics behind derivatives. What I need to understand is I'm a, I'm a career psychologist. That's a lot of what we do. Hmm. I need to understand how people think and understand the landscape of the industry and how to guide them. But I don't need to understand a lot of the technicality. That was, that's a big shift and probably an important takeaway here is that I wish I had known that more when I first started because I probably would have been less scared mm -hmm. that you can fake it till you make it and that a learning curve is okay and it's okay to learn as you go along and I'm still learning. And not only is that a, not a bad thing, it's the best thing about what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what about lessons learned as an entrepreneur in terms of 
managing cash flow and making decisions where like when you need to hire another person um, yes. or, you know, moving into the office and or ultimately, I guess you moved into an even bigger office. Um, so any advice, of, um, especially for, you know, relaunchers who are doing this after a career break um, around some of these the business decisions you made for your own business? Yeah. So I think it's know yourself, know your limitations, be self-aware. So I am, I think, a pretty great recruiter. I am a horrible accountant, which is pretty funny because it's how I started. And so I should not be managing our finances, our cash flow. I'm a really good strategic thinker. So not only am I the CEO of the business, but I would like to say I'm our chief visionary as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm creative, but I've been probably the thing I've done best is to make sure to surround myself with people that are smarter and better in areas where I am weak than me. So we have a fabulous chief marketing officer named Carol. I mentioned Shelly has been she is just extraordinary. I have Laura, who's sitting here with, next to me as I tape, who is a fabulous administrator. Uh, my husband, Howard, is our COO. And so by surrounding myself with people that can do certain things that I can't better than me, it's absolutely allowed me to soar. Mm-hmm. And not to feel incompetent. Like if I were sitting here managing the books, not only wouldn't I like it, but I wouldn't be good at it. I wouldn't feel good about myself. That's just not how I want to or should be spending my days. Wonderful. And then you mentioned that the first person you hired is also a relauncher. So, uh, you know, you put that um, notice, that little three line ad in. And, you know, I'm guessing for you having a five minute commute, for her having a five minute commute. And I don't know if there was flexibility in there, but the idea that you brought on a relauncher as your first hire, um, how did that how did that transition go um, for her? Yeah, so I think just like I really had no idea what I needed or what I was looking for when she responded, she didn't really have any idea what she was responding to or certainly never expected that 12 years later she'd still be here. And she went from being my you know, Gal Friday, I might have called it, or some ridiculous, <laughs> stupid title like that, to being our director of offer, officer, office operations, excuse me, and she's just indispensable, invaluable, and I can't say enough great things about her. I don't know that I thought about it that she was a relauncher. At the time, all I knew I needed was somebody that was smart. She was technically competent, and she was working very part-time. I needed somebody, I think, 10 hours a week is what I said. It's grown into... She works a whole lot of hours. She works very full time now. But that job with flexibility allowed her to, um, you know, raise her children. And Laura, who I reference, who's sitting next to me now, is a relauncher as well. Mm-hmm. She um, started with us with some nice flexibility to make sure that she's able to be present for her kids' activities and the tutor and the orthodontist and whatever else it is. So, um, that's really a big part of our organization is that not only we actually have a our organization is filled with relaunchers actually of the 12 of us that were here I'm thinking eight of us are relaunchers um but one of the things that makes it work and we've grown up our kids have grown up together in Mm -hmm. fact this weekend our first kid is getting married Kathy who sort of worked for us 14 years ago the kids have grown up together her daughter is getting married this weekend um 
But flexibility is key. You know, we totally believe that family comes first and and that's just how we do it. That is so great to hear. Um, you're a relauncher and you eight out of the 12 of you are relaunchers. I love that. Um, so I guess I, I want to wrap up now and I wanted to know if you could reflect um, on your incredible experience uh, and give us a, uh, any advice that you think is key advice um, that might be your favorite piece or something that you, you think it's very important for relaunchers to know. Even if you repeat, even if you repeat something that you had mentioned already in this podcast. Yeah. So I think um, one is that fake it till you make it <laughs> is number one, that that's okay. Two, I think it's that you have to really trust your inner voice. I knew somewhere deep inside that I wasn't meant to be an accountant, but I did. My father wanted me to be an accountant. He felt it was a good career for a young woman who was probably going to get married, and it meant he wouldn't have to pay for grad school. So I did it dutifully. But I knew all along in my gut it wasn't right. And finding recruiting felt right to me. It felt soulful from the day I started and I am a firm believer that when you find what's soulful what you're passionate about the money and success follow mm -hmm. so I think too it's about following your dream and listening to your own inner voice three it's about being open to watching and listening and seeing what comes along I didn't set out to be a recruiter I didn't even know what a recruiter was 20 something years almost 30 years ago now mm -hmm. um but it was my path. It was what I was meant to do for sure. That's incredible that, you know, you had that amazing moment where you went to see that headhunter and they told you, you should be in executive search or you should be in recruiting and not in accounting. And if that hadn't happened, uh, it might have been interesting to, to think about whether you have, would have made your way to recruiting by some other path or if it might not have happened so I think about that a lot actually mm -hmm. like would I actually have found this had that not happened and while I think that that meeting was serendipitous yeah. I think we found each other um but I have to think because this is what I was meant to do yeah. clearly yeah I think I would have found it no matter what right I just might it might have taken a little longer to get there wonderful well Mindy Diamond it was Terrific to have this conversation today. Thank you so much uh, for being a role model, for hiring other relaunchers, for the advice that you've given us. Um, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. And be sure to visit us at irelaunch.com in order to get the most important tools and resources for returning to work. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at info at irelaunch.com and be sure to visit our website, irelaunch.com.